Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. A merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year. This is episode 99 of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. I don't know why I'm uh, doing that really, really, really fun and and, uh, and fast, but welcome everyone to episode 99, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year for everyone involved in Geek Apocalypse, and this is, as I say, episode 99, which was close to the magical 100, we've got tons planned, so there may be a slight, uh, like, a little bit of a longer gap than a week for episode 100, but we're trying to get as many people involved in it as possible, so bear with us. But this episode is not worth... Um, missing at all because if you're listening to it, which is great, with my fantastic friend Jules Clare, who is a poet uh, from the northeast of England, uh, and we talk about several different awesome things, stuff that I never thought would come up. Uh, we talk about the fact that he grew up in Wales on a farm. We also talk about the fact that uh, how he got into poetry and um, when he lived in Birmingham. Uh, the difference between living in a growing up in a farm and like an isolated area compared to being in a city. He does a fantastic eulogy to his friend Phil Nixon, who is a darts player that I've heard of. I've actually seen some of his matches, and I wasn't aware who he sadly passed away a couple of years ago. And Jules talks about him really amazingly honest and frank so that's a great story to listen to and we also debate being that Jules and I suffer from bipolar disorder we have a debate about mental health and and how to deal with it and and uh, it's a very honest uh, open and uh, you know we we disagree but that's good you, you should disagree I always make the argument of if you don't have friends that disagree you don't really have a friend because if they agree with everything you're not going to learn so but 90% of the stuff we agree on, so I hope that really does help people and and make a difference in terms of um, in terms of knowing more about mental health and dealing with it better. Uh, Jules is available on the Tweeters, which you can find. Uh, he's at, at Jules Star, that's G-E-W-E-L-S-T-E-R, triple nine uh, is on twitter he's on facebook as julestar and he's also got a website julesclare.blogsport.co.uk we're on twitch as well as on youtube which is where the video version of this is going to go so please do uh, subscribe to all the things we're also on twitter at geek underscore apocalypse and we also have a shop on our website so if you want to i always forget to mention the shop so if you want to uh, maybe a christmas treat with your money if you want to buy a t-shirt with us that's awesome it'll help the very podcast keep running and keep going want to do another hundred is the goal so if you want to help out dude help out help out with that and obviously we're on twitch and various other things to come and uh, watch us and help keep supporting geek pockets but as i said a huge merry christmas and a happy new year huge thank you for jules for being on and everyone who's been on all the other 99 shows but obviously i'm gonna be uh, giving them huge bent, huge gratitude for being on the 100th episode we've also released some stuff on mcm london which is on uh, our youtube channel so go and have a look at them and i'm uploading some twitch videos on that very thing as well but until the 100th episode and until 2016 have a great period of the holidays and uh, enjoy this episode this is episode 99 
kind of uh, as a way of that's building what... up building up to them. Um, but yeah, you can do two or three. Uh, as I say, yeah, that'd be great. But I'll just let you know now. We'll do it at the end. Uh, but anyway, right? Okay. Uh, I'll probably not even use this, but as I say, like part attempt number three, uh, having technical issues, but that's typical of my podcast. But um, uh, thank you, Jules, for being on. Uh, thank. I can't believe it's episode ninety nine. I'm so close to hundred, which is ridiculous, but quite um, quite great at the same time. And I should let people know that obviously I know Jules from Mentally Sound, which I'm sure I'll mention in the introduction. But uh, so we'll just start chatting and see how it goes. But um, it's quite good because one of the things I love about the podcast, Jules, is that I get the opportunity, like I was just saying to you, to talk to people openly about stuff that maybe I don't know about them. And I would say. Uh, we were just talking before we started that uh, you've been involved in Mentally Sound since the second show, and you were just telling me uh, how you got involved. So do you want to retell yeah. that for the benefit of people? Yeah, I will. Uh, I know Lynn, Lynn Boyd, uh, manager of um, Mental Health Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a friend, I've known her for, since I've been in England, uh, in, England in uh, Durham, which is 28 years. Uh, she's a good friend of my, my good friend of my mom and dad's. Mm-hmm. My mum passed away unfortunately, but oh, still a friend of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we met through the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both my, my dad and Lynn are both uh, on the district Labour. They were both on the district Labour Party. Yeah, which is which is the the body that comes up with policy ideas for the local area and then tries to recommend it to conference mm-hmm. and then it's debated at conference very nice and they also run the they also ran con well my dad didn't but mm-hmm. lynn was one of the councillors and then through the labor party my dad was able to bring things up and raise them with lynn and then get them into county meeting into council meetings very nice that's the way politics works of supposed to mm-hmm. you don't see that with a conservative party like that that's what uh, the Labour Party is uh, based on, unless you've got Tony Blair in control. <laughs> Ooh, first, first political sentence there, for, uh, uh, political ramification there. Um, it's funny because I was just thinking as you were saying that, Jules, that I mean, I have touched on politics a little bit uh, on the show. I'm trying to remember certain episodes in particular. I know that it's been brought up a tad. Um <laughs> And uh, I would just, I'll say briefly, because I don't really like sort of talking about it from my perspective, but uh, not necessarily don't like talking about it. I just don't feel, uh, I don't feel, I've never felt the need to talk about it openly, I suppose. But mm-hmm. um, uh, like, you know, when you sense Labour Party, I, I want to kind of branch it out is in what I mean in this assertion when I say, you know, my sister, um, predominantly, majority of my family are, are Labour Party, like, you know, I've got Labour Party roots. And my, my sister actually in the last election uh, ran for local uh, local elections uh, in Preston, where she's based. Um, she didn't win. So. She didn't win, but... <laughs> um, so sorry, sis. But, um, but yeah, so I, I'm interested to know, do you think that uh, the reason that, you know, Labour seems to win, I, I seem to remember, seems to win the North East... You know, I think it's only. Although maybe I might be wrong. I think there was was one maybe recently where that where conservatives may have nicked it one year. But most of the time, we are Labour Party uh, yeah. have a, a Labour Party uh, region. Um, and do you think it's because of the working class roots as to why we kind of look at it that way? There's lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, well, mainly because what do you think? Based on the pits. Mm-hmm. And we're all, we're yeah. Yeah, because for the um, 
yeah, you, you can you can explain sort of the mining the mining history of where well, we so, are from. Well, yeah, um, I know all about it because when I when I go places, I, I get into it. So, Durham County Council did um, try to do a, a survey mm-hmm. project to keep the mining area alive in terms of culture. Mm-hmm. So, I volunteered to interview three ex-miners. I interviewed an engineer at the Bear Park pit, one who had emphysema, who worked at uh, Watergate, mm-hmm. not Watergate, Waterhouse's pit. And in other words, because of the coal dust mm-hmm. tragedy. And my, uh, one of my best friends who actually built the extension of my other house in East Edley Hope, uh, he was in Waterhouse's and in Headley Hope Colliery. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is actually where, as an interesting fact for you, mm-hmm. where the word Maura comes from. Do you oh. know the answer to that? Go for it. No, I don't know. Have you heard of the word Maura? Yeah, I've heard of the word Maura. Yeah. Uh, well, a Maura, when you go down the when you go down the pit, uh, you go down in pairs, mm-hmm. right? You work together. Yep. So you look after each other, and you also the, the rate of work speed of work you do determines your pay mm-hmm. right so it's a very close bondship of course yeah and that's uh that's the term there's lots of terms like that mm-hmm. uh but i i i always use that now when i'm talking to people in poetry uh you know who, who, who tune into my poems I, I call them that and i i usually explain what it means but it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a nice term of endearment basically all right cool that's pretty cool um because what, what what we're touching on, as we're saying about the terms of the history, and Jules mentioned it specifically to where he's from, but um, for those that aren't from England, like the northeast of England was a major mining area for, for, for England and majority coal. And uh, just to give some background in relation to me in regards to mine, uh, how much close to a mine I am, I, I, I was brought up in Wall's End. And uh, I lived literally on the street near the Rising Sun, uh, Rising Sun, uh, which is now a country park, where that used to be a huge mine operation. And the Rising Sun Cottages, which was the street right next to me, was actually, I had friends who lived in that street. And if you ever see any houses near them sort of areas, they're all mining houses. Um, they're all because they're all sort of smaller than usual because they were all compact and they would try and make more of them, but they were really small and 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 also if you are quite you know i remember going to see my visit my friend and if you're tall you know they're quite small to to go around and and so all them ones now that obviously occupied by regular people used to be where the miners would live um and i was kind of fortunate in the sense of and i just want to ask you uh and after i make this point is that just to say my parents were fortunate enough that my 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 dad in particular never went down the never went down the mine so we uh we were quite fortunate in that sense but as jules was saying you know uh a lot of people in this region that was their way of of making income that and building ships in the shipyards and uh so you know uh it's it's you're quite lucky in the sense if you've got a family who have found other means to make money that way especially you know 20 30 years well 30, 40 years ago, probably. Um, so in relation to... So that's just for people who are not from England to, to tell people or even might not just want to know a bit of history. But um, what was it like for you? What was your family like? Did, your, did you ever... Uh, you know, was you, did your dad go down the mine, for example? Or 
Uh, we're not from around here. We're from Birmingham. All right. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. We're not even from Birmingham because I was actually born in Wales. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I saw. I was gonna mention. I was gonna mention that because I looked at one of your profiles on your Twitter profile, and you said you were from Wales. So did tell me. Farm. Lived on a farm. Mm-hmm. You lived on a farm. Um, okay. That's why I'm into the environment. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. That makes sense. So whereabouts? Uh, whereabouts in Wales are you from? Uh, in South Wales, called. Mm-hmm. It's called Carmarthen, mm-hmm. not Carnarvon, Carmarthen. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the place where everybody goes on holiday, which is relatively nearby, mm-hmm. if you live in Wales, is Aberystwyth. Oh, Wales. yeah. I've heard of that, yeah. I, I spoke Welsh for two years. Cool. From five to seven, but I can't remember it, obviously, because... Mm-hmm. But my dad, he, he was from Birmingham, and the only way to get on in Wales is to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And he still knows the language. Oh, good for him! Amazing. So what? So is it? Did you say your dad was from Birmingham? Did you say? Well, uh, let me think how much I can say. Okay. <laughs> Confidentially wise. Um, well, my mum and dad. Uh, my dad is uh, like a mega man. He can do anything with his mm-hmm. hands. He can mm-hmm. make. Yeah. Yeah. He can make things with metal and wood, and uh, he can farm. He can, you know, allotments mm-hmm. and all sorts. Anyway, he was in the he was in the um in his day you had to join the forces. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was in the RAF. Uh but just actually being a typist because he's a very good typist and nice. a needy typist. Mm-hmm. A needy typist because the you know, people in the RAF can't type. Mm-hmm. Oh. So he was a typist and he peeled potatoes. <laughs> not nice because there's lots of them yeah um, and but anyway um he married my mom mm-hmm. when he was 16 and she was 20 and then when he come out the raf they bought a house a really posh house in birmingham in a posh park called sutton coalfield mm-hmm. next to uh the golf course which i always used to play on later in life but it's like uh, you know big box now mm-hmm. But uh, his father wouldn't help him because he was under 18. He had to have a guarantee or, and my my granddad was a businessman and a bit shake, so he wouldn't let anybody see his accounts. Fair enough. My, uh, <laughs> my granddad actually made uh, w- wings for Hurricanes in the war. All right. Fascinating, eh? How interesting. In a place called Tamworth. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, I know Tamworth, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who works on the rails, and yeah, he got he, he that's one of his favorite places to go. Yeah. Um, that's the junction, yeah. Mm. Um, and then so because of that, my dad got really angry, and he just got as much money as he could get together, and went looking in Wales and bought a dilapidated farm and did it up. Mm-hmm. And it was seven acres, uh, which isn't very big actually. It's quite big. <laughs> We had 50 sheep. Right? Okay. That's still pretty impressive. <laughs> well, the important thing was that it was um, it was on a, access to a hill. So it was a hill farm. Nice. So you put your sheep on the hill. You just mm-hmm. put the, of course, the hills are very big. In the summer, you know, and yeah. then we down in winter. Mm-hmm. We also bred dogs, pedigree dogs, poodles, uh, cocker spaniels with the fluffy ears, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And uh, Celium Terriers, which are a bit like Westies, mm-hmm. but bigger and nicer. And they, we used to sell them 
well my dad did mm-hmm. and we kept uh, geese and chickens and he even tried horses and pigs mm-hmm. feeding pigs so he's never he, he never gave up on anything good that but, sounds good he sounds efficient that's one of the things i love about you know that generation you know they they they, they have the ability to kind of just get up and do stuff you know i think that's something we're kind of losing as the generations are getting are getting over you know you know the youth of today even us to a degree, man. I'm mm. No, I'm saying I, I put myself in that bracket. It's one of the things yeah. I least like about myself. There's like, no I'm... Point, no, it's no point sitting on your butt. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get anything, are you? You no. know that. Yeah, yeah. Video controlling and stuff. Mm-hmm. We can do anything we want within reason mm-hmm. if we try. Maybe not with the technology, with the making the wooden things, because you've got to have. You basically you've got to have a have it in your blood. Mm-hmm. Because like, it's like me, me with your poetry. With my poetry, it's, it's natural. Mm-hmm. And you, presumably, with what your technique, techno things and your, your gaming, whatever you do, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't learn it. Well, not really, did we? No, no. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, because, you, 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 no, I, I think the point you're making is actually a really good one because, although, yeah, obviously I'm from the a younger generation, but even so, when I was growing up, um, you know, I'm 28 now, and when I was in the 90s, the the idea of a computer was, you know, was there was still um, I think you can only remember the names of them, but they were like ROM computers, which were like the only thing we would use them for was like in maths lessons, where they would you would basically like kind of do orienteering in the sense of you would write code to make like a, a what looked like a frog move on the move on the on the on the screen, you know. So it was all maths based you know, code, like sort of the early days of coding, like which is a technical thing now. But the point I'm getting at is that was the bare minimum of what I learned academically at school. And what, you know, and what you're saying, which I think is a good point, is the rest of the stuff, like me being able to do what we do now, me recording video and audio and, and doing interviews and all this kind of stuff, that, that, from my perspective, you know, if you're talking about my talents and whatnot, um, there's only a certain amount you get given in acad- in in in, acad- in an academic way because school gives you a little bit of a little bit of stuff and technological wise when I um it's obviously easier for kids now but you know they never gave me that opportunity it was the same with music music was rubbish you know I learned I I can probably play about I think I can play like six instruments and and all yeah. them were just because I went I want to learn to play guitar so I I went up and did it I w- went away and did yeah. it so. Yeah, Mm-hmm. Put some music to my poems. <laughs> uh, I've only just got my guitar back, so I'm a little rusty. But um, oh. but yeah, we can do something at some point. I, um, I can say, I, you know, we're talking about technology. I can say yeah. I can beat you on. I can beat you on that. As I started work in 1987, mm-hmm. the year I was born, Jules. <laughs> yeah, the first computer <laughs> in the workplace. Uh huh. The word processors was an Amstrad. I was oh, I was going to guess that. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my and nerdiness. They had two, well, I was lucky because I had a 20 megabyte hard disk. Usually nice. they had two floppy disks. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, they were on floppy disks. Is, um, I was fortunate, my family were fortunate enough that we had an Amstrad. That was the first computer I ever played on. Uh, it had like fruit machines and stuff. Yeah, they're good for games. They're good for yeah. games. Mm-hmm. But then, um, what was I going to say? I was fucking happy about that now. If computers had ever got any better, I probably would still be happy playing that because I remember certain games on that like you say although obviously the people you know kids would look at them now and say i'm absolutely crazy but you, well, might... the old games the old games are the best yeah totally. jet set willy on the spectrum uh 
um, Super Mario, of course, and yeah, Zelda. Yeah. Zelda was my favourite. Oh, cool! You were a Zelda player. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I do like Zelda. Zelda's one of my favourite games. Favourite like. Still about five. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they 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 did a, a game for the Nintendo Wii, and uh, and and it's still around. Yeah, uh, super, and obviously Super Mario is like Nintendo's saving grace. It's the thing that still sells a great amount of stuff. A great amount. It'll have moved on a bit, will it, or will it still be the same? Uh, what does he mean? Has it moved on from the the original stuff? Is that yeah. what you're asking? Uh, it's yeah. it's uh, Super Super Mario has kind of become a Super Mario Kart now, and what I mean by that is is that um, it's a it's you it's like it's like Nintendo characters like Super Mario, but they use Super Mario as the name of the game. But it's all a bunch of like Nintendo characters, and you go around a, a racetrack, uh, racing each other, um, and, and that's kind of become. I think that was like. Well, I was talking about Super Mario World as well. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying they don't really make that's that's why I'm diversifying for your benefit of they don't really make a, a Super Mario World like right. like they used to. Zelda Zelda's still the same. They still make Zelda the same as it always was. So, uh, but yeah, Super Mario's kind of took on that kind of. But it's the same as like Sonic for the Mega Drive when I was growing up. That's become the same where. They just Never make a bunch of stuff, put a bunch of stuff together. But now that's interesting because yeah, I was an abstract guy. Which um, for those that don't know, uh, um, I'm sure Jules knows this, but Alan Sugar's uh, computer. And for those I that like probably know I Alan like Sugar it. now more for The Apprentice. Uh, but there you go. Uh, but that's 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 certainly interesting. I mean, uh, based on the fact that we were sort of trying to get some, you know, technological aspect running for this very thing to even work, I'm interested to ask you like. How much of a how much would you say technology plays a role in your life? Would you say if you had to guess? Yeah. Like, do you use it very often? Because it's you know you said like oh I forgot my password and my computer. It sounds like it's not because I use my computer all the time and I try not to over rely on it. But like I, yeah. I don't I don't you know it, it kind of shows the difference. I use it all the time, but I've got lots of passwords. Oh, right, yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, well I just I'm interested to ask like so what kind of stuff do you do you on an average day? Do you read? Do you use I like poetry? I write poetry on it. Mm-hmm. And then send it, put it on the web, mm-hmm. on, sorry, on Facebook, so it's always there. So it's like a backup. Yeah. And I put it on um, other ones, WordPress, mm-hmm. Bing, um, Bing Bang, is it? Mm-hmm. Bing Bang, and YouTube. Obviously, it's a video in that format. I do videos, mm-hmm. so I use my phone uh, to video me, me out in the street. Mm-hmm. Other people hold it, and I do gig. Yeah. What I call a gig is just one poem. Yep. A big gig is like what I did for Mentally Sound, which was seven poems mm-hmm. uh, in twelve minutes. Um, but and obviously, I can I use they interconnect so the phone. You know, I transfer stuff between the mm-hmm. two. Um, uh, mainly, it's uh, the poems and the Facebook. Mm-hmm. No, cool. And we can I'll, talk about because I'm quite interested to know how I, I'm. I'm. I'm very interested to know how you got into sort of poetry and stuff. But I'll talk about that a little bit later. But one of the things that I want to just go back to because it's kind of intriguing me is because you met. You know, you talked about the because the reason I asked you about the technological stuff is it's is it's uh, the reason I I went there is because when you were describing growing up, you know, your dad making the farm, and I'm assuming you grew up 
grew, grew up there during that period of time. Like that seems far different to, well, it is far different from from you know being isolated like you were describing to being in a, in a city where you know you can be bothered and all that kind of thing. And that's something I notice all the time. Mm-hmm. But I've lived in a city or town the majority of my life. So, so what? What? How would you compare the two? I would because I can, and I, I'm privileged because I mm-hmm. can, because I moved from, when I was seven. I moved to Birmingham and lived there in the centre of Birmingham for 13 yeah. years. Then I did an environmental studies course because I was because of my living in the countryside before, yeah. and that's what I was into. Then I was fortunate enough when I did eventually get a mm-hmm. job to get a job up here, and now I live in the countryside, as you well know, uh, 35 miles from maybe. 35 or 30 miles from uh, Newcastle mm-hmm. in Riedel. So, so am I right in saying based on the fact that, that, that because this is what I'm hearing while you're saying this is that when you you know you did environmental studies you were you know you lived on a farm till seven and is that do you ideally prefer sort of being in your private life in the house that you live in do you prefer to be isolated as opposed to being in a in a city? Uh, uh... Uh, yes and no. Um, I love the isolation. I love my own time. Mm-hmm. But then we we uh, we haven't talked about mental health we'll yet. We both got that. We both got that issue. So being on your own is not always mm-hmm. good. But I love because of who I am and what I am, and it probably comes across uh, mixing with people because one because that's the way I am, and two because of my poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get out there and I I communicate with people and I make them happy and basically when you ask me my job earlier title or something I'm actually a storyteller mm. that's a good point yeah. I should have put that because that's that's true definitely how it doesn't mean anything but it does but it's very um yeah you no know no I, mean? I get you no that that's actually an interesting topic like what would you you know like, elaborate on that because that intrigues me like what if I if well, I said the word poor, well, the word told, poor. What would you, told, what would you think? Uh, someone who sits down in front of a book and uh, writes verses. But as you say, you know that is storytelling, and and I, I put on the the banner, which you might be able to say that I also put you're a writer because I regard that as writing. You know, you're a writer. You know, because that, that's actually the thing that you're doing. Like, um, so what? What makes you a poet? Let me, let me explain to you about the storytelling. Okay. I've already told you. Loads, I've already told you loads of stories. Mm-hmm. No, no, I get you. Yeah. Quite well, but when I um, good point. Uh, I'm publishing books, right? I've got a business mm-hmm. plan. I'm taking life seriously now because it's time. Because I'm I'm older than you, right? Uh, and I deserve it because of all the work I put in, right? And and I'm good. I'm not, and I'm not being egotistical no, about that. I know I am. Totally. Tell me. Right. So, in um, I'm hoping it's going to be on January the seventh, in time for the show. Mm-hmm. My book will be on Amazon. Very nice. It's called Jewels for Jewels of Your Heart. Mm-hmm. For a romantic. Nice. Topic. I like it. Jewels, as in gems, but my name is Jules. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm fortunate that I've, pre- I've published books, self-published them before, so I'm going to actually republish them on Amazon 
and I'm going to do it every six weeks. Nice. So, so in effect, the next six months I'm busy, but I've only got to write two books. Mm -hmm. One of them is going to be Mentally Sound, ah. which is poetry. I don't have to write that, actually. I just have to compile it. That's all the poems that you've heard about positivity. Yeah. That's a really a good idea. Thing. Yeah. And I'm hoping to get some sponsorship. Yeah, cool. Yeah, sure. that's a fantastic idea. I would I would be, I would okay that, definitely. Not that, not, that's, not, that's, not that I've got anything to do with me, but I'm just saying I'd be on board with it. Um, I'm going to, um, no, it's not just mentally up the Northeast. I'm going to set, uh, you, do, you don't know me, but you do sort of now. But whenever I do something, it's hundred mm. percent. It's something that uh, yeah, I'm glad I I, I get that from you, which is good because uh, I, I I it's one of the things that um, most disappoints me about whenever I ask to work with someone that that you know if I don't feel they're trying as hard as I am, it drives me insane. Um, no point to that. Sorry, there's no point. No, that. yeah. No, totally. Uh, no, no, there's definitely, there's definitely no point. Like, um, because I just think you have the the the, the, the choice. Mention, Sorry, no, no, we won't mention names, but we, in the people that we associate with or the organisations that we associate with, we do get a bit of that feeling, don't we? Well, it's not. It's no, but it's not just that. Like, no, it's not what I was getting at. Is that I'm just saying, uh, the, in general, when you know, because you know, you, you know, if you run a business well, like I do, and you talk to people consistently, I have a guest on every week, and you know, I talk to, to uh, a lot of people during the week. Um, when you organise stuff, is that there's two, there's a, there's a decision. The, the thing that annoys me is that there's a ultimately a decision to make, and the decision is you're either on board or you're not. The thing that frustrates me is that when people, there's people who decide to be on board, but, but don't make it part of their life. Like they'll agree to it. Cause it sounds like a good idea, but won't commit any time to it. But so I'm like, you can't have it both ways. If you're not prepared to do that, say no, because you're not committed to saying yes. That's, that's the point I always say to people. So, cause I, I don't know whether this might be an old school attitude and that's leading me to what I want to ask you. Do you think there's an element of, you know, when people used to say the idea of you have my word, like no one says that anymore. Like, and it's kind of like the word people, some certain people's words meaningless. Whereas if I say to someone, I will be involved and I will do it. Like, I do not say that if I would say no to them, if I can't commit my hundred percent attention to it. So I'm interested to know, do you think the idea of like the word, you know, when someone goes, you've got my word or I promise you or whatever, that that's gone because of the, the society we live in. What do you think? Yes. Mm -hmm. I, you see, when I do it, I didn't do it with you when we met, but when I, when I do it, when I enter into the agreement, we shake hands. <laughs> right. No, seriously. That's the way it's done in business. Yeah. In the old days, huh? verbal agreement, the yeah, way. Uh, word of mouth. Yeah. Trust me, I'm putting my trust in you. You put mm. trust in me. That's what yeah, I'm exactly. Saying. Yeah, that's what you're saying with me. Why do you think it is? Why do you think that's gone? Uh, it's because of the way. Well, it's, it's society. It's the it's the political government. Uh, the um, me 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 attitude. Uh, oh, I've got to go to the Boxing Day sales. You know, attitude. Think about me and nobody else. And someone next door is probably an old person without a blanket, yeah. And there's the, uh, the uh, parents as well, in a way, because I've never done it with my children, mm -hmm. but they don't even watch them, man. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They're down the pub. <laughs> the kids are six or seven year old, well, man. I do think you're right. I think that's a very 
the, the the idea of that certain people you know not everybody i do know parents who do do a good job but yeah but you, you're right in the premise of the the problem i do live in willington and <laughs> good joke <laughs> I, I live in wall's end you know so yeah. <laughs> i do yeah uh so yeah um uh, oh dear yeah <laughs> that was such a great joke you caught me by surprise um but uh but yeah no you're right in the sense of that obviously you know there's far too many pe- there's far too many people and again this is a generalization we don't mean everybody but um you're right in the sense of that there's there are there are people who are having kids and not you know having the idea of having kids or accidentally having kids or the circumstances where they're not able to look after a kid or properly and 100 percent committed like we were touching on earlier and that leads to kids being brought up wrongly and having you know whatever the right word is like you know animosity towards other people and uh people actually look for trouble Mm. and it's a a sociological thing man i get it all the time and i'm not even talking poetry Mm -hmm. now i'm a i'm an excellent pool player right and i mean really sweet right and I, I play for money occasionally mm-hmm. against these young kids, right? And they don't like losing. Mm-hmm. It's what you're saying, man. If you put your money on the table, then accept the result, mm-hmm. yeah? And don't cheat and make up bloody rules as you go along. But that's, but do you do not think, I'll branch out what you're just saying, is that this is what I think, that, that part of that reason, I see it with certain people. I know, like, kids I see, like, I used to be a youth worker, and uh, I, I still am to some degree, um, and and that was the number one thing I would notice, um, especially, you know, because uh, there was one particular time where I was exclusively working for one school, so I was there, like, every day, looking after the same amount of kids, uh, the same type, the same kids, so I got to know these kids over that period of time, and the number one thing I would notice uh, is... People, because of the way the uh, you you touched on this earlier, which is why it was such a great point you made, is that we it was just a sentence you said, and I think I want to underline what you said because you're right in that we have so much accessibility now. Everything's given to us. It's easy to obtain stuff now. It's not you don't have to work hard to get a certain thing. Uh, um, So parents have the problem now of because every kid gets the same thing. Like you know, they want they want. An iPhone, a, 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 an iPad, a, a, a tablet, a, a, a PC, a laptop, and if a, another kid doesn't get that, it's like the parent is failing the kid. Um, which if which so it's all about the materialistic gain and about so kids are are focusing on external stuff, and parents are as well. Whereas not focusing on the thing that ultimately matters, which is making sure the kid gets brought up appropriately and in the right way you know is that is that am i right on the, am i on the right lines You're hitting the head. and that's what my mom and dad did man i never could could have anything because they were poor well they're not poor they're just sensible mm-hmm. they just got like you know maybe a little bike and that was enough mm-hmm. man but my mom and dad taught me not to go to credit companies credit cards only buy what you can afford and only buy it when you've got the money. And now, well, everybody's in, because of what you said, they all want uh, the next best thing. Um, the next best thing. No, a computer for the kids. Yep. they they got to go, so this Christmas, they'll, they'll all spend three grand. And they haven't got it. 
So what's that yeah. going to do? It's going to put pressure on the family, on them, and then on their kids for the rest of the year when the when the bailiffs come round or the banks. Because the banks don't give their monkeys. Yeah, back. they're not going to go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's your fault for overspending. Where's our money? Exactly, yeah. Um, it... I'm lucky, man, because I've actually been bankrupt. So I know this. All right. £8,000 when I was meant to heal. Do you want to, are you well, all right to I, talk I, about that? Because that's obviously a, an important I, thing. Talk about it. Ask me yeah, a well, you know, I've never been in that situation. So, you know, what is that? Well, what was the situation? Because you said it was mental health related. Did you just, was it because you just couldn't, couldn't look after yourself anymore? Was that what it was? I'll tell you the whole Go story. For it, yeah. It, and feel free to you know don't uh, you know I won't talk about it too long because it, it it could take up the whole of the yeah meeting. okay but right. just it, whatever you're comfortable with mate, me go for it. Uh, first of all me and you we got bipolar mood yes. disorder yeah what does that mean to you good question what does it mean to me um symptoms I mean symptoms. all right what is it, what are my symptoms yeah. um well as you pretty much you know, I guess the the simple. I mean, we can obviously we could go into it a little bit more, um, you know, thorough. Well, but I would say that the most simplistic thing is it's mood related. So I have an erratic mood, uh, which usually is, you know, I'm irritable and and angry, and uh, I can be happy and sad very quickly in a short space of time. It's basically the sort of cheapest thing. Is it daily for you? Mm-hmm. Is it rapid cycling on a daily basis? Yep. Um, I mean, it, it, it basically how I judge, you know, I'll, I'll just quickly say this and then you can tell your stories. Just to say, just a brief outline. I've talked about this a lot more thoroughly before, but yeah. I'll just say, um, for me, how I ascertain how well I'm feeling on a given day is how much my mood changes throughout the day. Uh, if I have a day where that doesn't happen very often, I regard myself as have, I'm in a better better situation so i'm dealing with it sort of better obviously there's certain things that you can't stop you know like you can't stop that happening which is something people never understand with mental health is that so i kind of just try and deal with it but the certain day when i'm not very well at all like you know you know the the story of there was a mentally sound show where i was we you know you knew afterwards but people didn't know i was going through that cycle of that i wanted to you know hurl myself off the nearest bridge because I just was. People gave you no respect that day, son. People gave you no respect that day. <laughs> but um, but no, but in fairness, people didn't know. Um, yeah, but they, uh, no, 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 stop. They would have known if they knew you and looked at. They could tell just by. Yeah, looking at yeah. You. I mean, because the thing is, is that you know, uh, and I was really grateful that people said that. When people listened back to the show, they were like, there was no indication in 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 you speaking. But as you know. Um, it's we're very easy. It's very easy for people like us to fake, um, especially what you know if you've dealt with it your, your whole life. Then um, you know you're gonna fake it, and I had to because I had a job to do, and that's how I took it as. But um, but I would just say so that particular period of time, uh, as as I talked to you about it after the fact, was I knew leading up to that show that I was getting worse, and I was trying to deal with it, but I was too. Like because my mood was all over the place, I couldn't focus on what job I was doing, and I just knew that I was burning myself out because I needed to just stop working. I needed to, I needed to look after myself. I needed to just let this slide because, as I'm sure you'll understand, when you feel that way, that if you keep doing too much stuff, it makes you feel ten times worse. So you need to just stop. 
Um, so that's how I look hopefully, at it as. But you know, feel free to say what you think. Hopefully, uh, we're building up the networks now to to stop to minimise yeah. that for all of us. Yeah, right? hopefully. I mean, obviously, it's it's what, it's. What, 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 sorry, go on. What we need to do is if we feel coming on, tell someone, mm-hmm. and then someone else can uh, help or or even take over for mm-hmm. a bit. And it happens with Victoria, so why can't it happen? Yeah, of course, not yeah. just her. It happens with everyone. You know, it happens with anyone in that situation. And I think um, I don't know how you feel about supporting people, but I actually like when someone says, "I think this is the thing that people never, never think about when they ask for help." Is if a friend of mine comes to me and says, "You know, Stephen, I'm not. You know, R- Ricky. R- yeah, I'm sure Ricky won't mind saying this, but Ricky said, Ricky, um, you know, emailed me, uh, kind of that." when the one time he wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't on the show and um i i just said like i hope you're okay and all that kind of thing and he said it was afterwards that he was like oh thank you for doing that that made me feel better and all that kind of thing and it's like well because because he was like he said he told he emailed me and said that he wasn't feeling great and i'm like i regard it as a privilege if someone in my life says i need to speak to someone and like i don't care if it's like if they talk to you or they talk to anyone else i know if it's someone mutual i don't care who they talk to the fact that they're talking about someone is the talking to someone is the important point um so whenever they do to me i feel i i feel privileged when they when they ask me because i'm good at being in that position of helping someone um and that's something i don't think some people spend not enough time thinking about when someone asks them for help but um but you're right i hope that i hope we can find that for everyone that would that would be great but um i want to just go back to you know so the story of like why you asked me about bipolar disorder and you're going to mention your story so what why did you ask me i guess you just wanted to know well i just because we're slightly different Mm -hmm. mine is more mine is more extreme It's, it's the same but it's different well, yeah, I mean, in fairness, I don't. I'm not being horrible when I say this. It, you can't really say it's more extreme. You can't say it's more extreme in the sense of well, that you don't know. Uh, no, no, but what I mean is, when I'm ill, mm-hmm. I'm depressed for six months and can't do mm-hmm. anything. It's not the same as yours, is all I mean, right? Yeah, I know. I'm saying it's not the same, it. but I say the word extreme. That that's a very that's a very uh, objection. It's a very that's a very subjective word. That's all I'm saying. Didn't mean like what I, what I meant with the extremes is there as well is that I go to both extremes. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the extreme of both ends. So we got depressed here. And when I get bipolar, I'm on I'm, hit, I'm on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people might not be. They don't fluctuate as much as mm-hmm. me. Although you might do in a day, I don't know. I do, I, I, I do but um, I, I do. And I do have periods of time. I mean, obviously, you know, I've been, I, was in, I was in hospital for a fair amount of time and... And I, I just I guess the point I'm saying, Jules, is that um, I think some people lead when whenever we talk about this and people do and we're open enough to do this, it becomes this competitive thing of I have a worse illness than you and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, it's n- not necessarily the case because, you know, I, you know, my, the point I'm making is we're both we we could both be in a dangerous position at any given time, you know, to sort of say that you go through something worse than I do is not necessarily true. Um, just talking about. I was just talking about the bipolar. Yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. Let's just agree on this. All mental health is bad. Mm, no, totally, yeah. yeah, yeah. Me, me and you, I, I know lots of people. Mm-hmm. I know lots of people with mental health. But I don't confine myself to mental health people. We're all normal, yeah? Mixing society, right? My friend, one of my friends is a, has got schizoaffective disorder. Mm-hmm. We, 
a lot of people have got more than one diagnosis. That's bad mm. enough. But to me, the worst one of the lot is schizophrenia because you hear voices. Totally agree with you. And, you. and you've got no, you don't even know if you're in the real world because you think the voices are real. You look across the road because I've seen him mm-hmm. do it. And he's just talking to someone else. We might not even be talking. And he's thinking he's talking to him. And I just heard him say, I'm going to kill you uh, in, in uh, 10 minutes or whatever. You're a nasty person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he actually thinks mm-hmm. that. So he runs away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't get the support from that, which is why I joined uh, actually Mentally Sound. It's like the, the support in the community. Hey, I haven't got a clue, mm-hmm. man. It's because well, See, I'll ask you. What you I'll ask you what you think. Do you think that? Do you think? Sorry, about sorry go on. Community crisis. Sorry, say that again. I didn't hear. I'm talking about the. I'm not talking about gen, ordinary people. Mm-hmm. They give you loads of support. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the mental health professionals. Oh, yeah. There's not. It's not enough of them. The community mental health nurses. Mm-hmm. They work part time, and they don't know what one minute. They know what one minute past five is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't go but they don't go past that. And we're always ill, or at least fifty percent of the time we're gonna be ill when they're not at work. And then we have to go to the A and E department or a crisis team. Who don't help. And who then really, um who have a limit to how much they can help. Yeah. And and they don't they haven't oh, they, they shouldn't even be there. I'm being, I'm over generalizing again. There are some good ones. No, of course, yeah. I mean, my... but I get, but your, your your premise is valid. From for, but I mean, we can only speak from our experiences. I'm sure you could find someone sure. at some point who'd say that they, they, they probably got what they needed. But then I've, that I've sorry, had, yeah, I've had two. I say I've had. Uh, I've got twenty years. Twenty years of bipolar, and I've been in um, hospitals four years of those. And psychiatric wow. hospitals, okay. not on top, and that's not on top of the lots of illnesses I've got for other things, which might take uh-huh. another another two months. Uh, and so, I really am qualified uh, well, for myself, but for other people as oh, well. Totally, I can spot the services that aren't there yeah. in hospitals as well because they don't do enough. They haven't got when you go into hospital, they haven't even got a. Some of them haven't even got an occupational health service. Not occupational health, occupational therapy. You know, where you make things mm-hmm. to keep you occupied. Or they haven't got a, a gym, or they haven't got a... I don't know. It's, you, you just sit on your bed, man. You can do that, you can do that at home. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do now. I've got a brilliant... Um, who's now my best friend, nearly, mm-hmm. A brilliant care worker. Uh, I will mention her name because it doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. Angela, it doesn't bother her either because she's a special person. Angela, Angela from Dale Care Limited, mm-hmm. right? She comes in every morning at eight o'clock or nine o'clock or ten yeah. o'clock, depending on my uh, other jobs. And she makes when I'm ill, she comes in and makes sure I take my tablets and make sure I have breakfast because when you when you're depressed, you don't mm-hmm. eat. Right, and she also. I so understand that. Yeah. And one more thing, it's great now because I've got rheumatoid arthritis, so I can't put my socks mm-hmm. on. So she put my socks nice. on. Nice. No, that that uh, that sounds great. It sounds like you got a winner there. And it helps mm-hmm. me. And I don't. I'm very fortunate. I don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. You know why? You won't know this, but if you've been on a section for six months, ever in your mm-hmm. life, you're entitled to three 
free um, mental health care in the community. Oh, that's because you're you're at such a risk. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because being on section for six months is not. That's interesting. I did not know that. But do you think? Do you put uh, there's 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 several questions that I want to ask you based on that. Is I I suppose first of all, I guess the the most important important question that comes out of that because you touched on like what you think what you know certain uh certain teams don't do well and you said they don't do this they're not very good etc 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 um in your experience of you dealing with your mental health like how much how how would you compare when you first dealt with it to now like in terms of the 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 mental health system and, and the help you get has it gotten better has it gotten worse Oh, it's it hasn't changed a lot to be mm-hmm. honest. There's not as much of it now because they cut all they want to do is cut things, and it's not really their fault actually. It's the government. Mm-hmm. So, I agree um, with that. so, but for instance, they they um, I was involved. I was used to be an advocate, right, mm-hmm. for mental health matters in Gateshead. Mm-hmm. Six months, so I was helping people. Actually, paid to do it, right? And um, that must have been fulfilling. Was, yeah. but I, 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 got, I had a nervous breakdown over because I wasn't mm-hmm. trained. We won't talk about that. Is there a way um, you could um, unvibrate your phone? Because I can hear it. You, you had a, is it the bottle that's making that noise? What's that, what's that noise? It's a bottle of coke. Oh, is it making a vibration or something? I thought it was your phone making the noise. Like you're getting a, like you're getting oh. a text message or something. Oh, I've turned all the... Oh. Is the phone yeah, I'm thinking you're getting like I think you're getting uh, I think you're getting um, like a text or something, and I think it keeps coming off. So you might need to um... turn all the sound off, hmm. but not the vibration. Yeah, you might need to take the vibration off. I think there's not a button on. There's not a button on the phone you can. Yeah, but it means I've got to get, get into. We'll have to stop for a bit. Uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if it. We'll see if it. If it keeps going off, we'll have to. We'll have to think. But we can carry. We can carry on. I mean, it's, it. It might just be that you get a message now. I don't know. Anyway, but um. So, what? How? How has it changed in your opinion? Like, for the. For, uh, you've mentioned the cuts, but you said it hasn't got. You, you touched on that. You said it's got. It's got different, but you didn't sort of explain. You didn't sort of say why. How has it changed? It hasn't got better. It hasn't got better. Mm-hmm. They know, they basically know all the shortfalls, and they've done nothing to to remedy, remedy them. Um, also, I mean, for instance, in, in two thousand, they used to have in the old days, they used to have day centres, mm-hmm. right, where people with mental health problems could go for the day. They had them in every place, like in Gateshead, in uh, Bishop Auckland, in mm-hmm. Durham. Now the whether it was the count, but they were run jointly with social services. So whether it was the councils or the health bit or them together, decided that they weren't the way mm-hmm. to go. So that in that so then people staying in their homes in the homes, so they're not seeing anybody. Mm-hmm. Is that sensible? <laughs> no, uh, no. Well, not really. And I think that's something that they that they don't really understand. Like that's something that you know you touched on this when you was you were you were you were you know, paraphrasing what happens inside a, you know, let's take, for example, in a psychiatric ward where they'll put you in a, you know, a really small room and, and there's, as you said, there's, there's just nothing to do. Like, and, and, you know, so you're in an environment where you're actually focusing on your illness more than you were when you left, like before, before you got in. 
um, which makes very little sense. So when I used to say to to people like, you know, they didn't seem that the one of the things that people who don't understand mental health fail to realize that when I would say to to people I know, like, you know, I need to see people because. I'm just like, you know, if, because if you don't see people as, and it's something you touched on in the last Mentally Sound show we did, which really, you know, affected me because I think you said it beautifully was this idea of that they don't seem to understand when you're that in the Maya and you're that, it, you feel, you, you you see this like dark blackened world where you just have, there's no light to it and and you just feel so down and out and you feel irrelevant and unimportant and, 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 and all this kind of stuff is the thing that gets you gets you motivated and gets you wanting to beat that is the caring like the kindness the 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 compassion and the consideration of the people you want to get better for um because the first thing people want to say to you is but you need to get better for yourself and i'm like well what do you think i've been trying to do that's the thing they never get like what do you what have i been trying to do i've been trying to get better for me this isn't working like so i'm trying um so you know if you just did a little bit if everyone just did a little bit more to help me get back on my feet then i will then i can try and do that but it feels like they always skip a step and go we want you to be well to deal with yourself so we don't have to give you the help which is the whole which is a backwards twisted logic um they can't discriminate between when you're ill and when you're well that's a good point yeah yeah describe what i mean by that for people who don't know they're not going to be able to anyway, really. But they just, they jump. They jump. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, describe what you mean by that. What do you mean by jump? When, when me and you are real, we know, with me anyway, there's a switch. Right. It's literally a yep. switch. I'm, I'm ill. And then I'm totally well again. Mm-hmm. Right. And all the time that I spend in the five, four, three months, is trying to get that switch. I so understand this. I can't do mm-hmm. it. And I, I'm different to you in your saying, people, I really admire people for trying to help me, but it isn't going to work because I'm in my own little mire and they can't, I can't get at the switch and neither can mm-hmm. they. The only way the switch is can be turned on is when I decide I want to turn it on. And that it happens when I get so, excuse my language, pissed you off with myself. Can, it's an over 18, so you can swear. Pissed off with myself for being such a stupid wally for wasting my life when I could be doing so much mm-hmm. for myself, for my family, and for my friends, and for people on the Mentally Sound radio show. Right? What a great and plug. What a great plug. <laughs> Listen, this is important, yeah. right? So it took me ages, but I'm trying all the time, and I keep having these little um, recovery periods, mm-hmm. right? For three or four days, I think I'm there, right? Mm-hmm. And then someone says something out there to me. In other words, I'm not quite right yet, but they'll think that I am, mm-hmm. yeah? I've got over that now because I've been well for five yep. weeks, so I know it's going to last a longer so. As long as it can before it goes, yeah. you know, months open. But what happened with me? I decided I, my CPN came to see me, and my CPN and I, we get on, but we don't. So I always have a go at him, right? And he always doesn't do a lot. But then, in a way, he can't because I've got to do it. 
I've got to be the one to do things or to make decisions. The problem is when you're mentally ill, you can't make decisions. You don't want to make them. You actually go back on yourself and run away from them. So if you've if you've got a ten pound debt, you don't got just go to the bank and yeah, uh, you don't go to the bank. So, yeah. I saw I, I sort of see what you're saying, but um, yeah. but but I the, that, that's not important. Yeah, no, I I, I get what you're saying because but I but I but I think. I don't necessarily agree with this idea of the, you know, like it might be true for you, but I would say, I would say, I would say in general, the I I don't necessarily agree with this idea of the 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 person decides when to get well, because surely under that premise of if you were starting to feel unwell and you said, oh, I need to to find the the ability to 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 turn the switch and be well again. Then that would that would be the whole argument as the, the whole argument of why people say we should try harder and do more than is valid because we're just choosing not to be well. Which I don't get. Why would you? Why would you have? Why would you? Why would you want to be unwell? Is my point. So under that premise of that we do that we're not pressing the switch is silly. I phrased it wrong. We're trying all the time to yeah. get well. We can't until the time is mm-hmm. right. Until all the factors, and we accept them. In other words, when our mind, we suddenly get self-confidence is when we get better. We believe in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was still having a bad day, but I kind of made my decision mm-hmm. when I was talking to my CPN. He actually talked to me for an hour over lunch, and I actually heard what he said. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to me as a normal person, not yeah. as a. So he was talking about the weather. He's talking about Aston Villa, and more to the point, I was taking part in the conversation. But but, but you wouldn't. Be, but, but my point is, I get that. At my point in that scenario, of as if that person who you had the conversation with didn't make the decision to have the conversation with you, that wouldn't have helped you reach but, that point. So um, so well, there's a like so. She's gone. Mm-hmm. She's gone. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying that could be that doesn't necessarily have to be a person whose job it is. You know, uh, I can give varying degrees of examples where if a friend, uh, you know, I've I've had situations where I felt awful and I've went for, you know, I feel, you know, I I get concerned that I might go back to being, you know, really, really ill and, and uh-huh. not wanting to to live my life and to try and all this kind of thing and it could be just my point is it could be something as simple and because i agree with you in the premise of you know this might just be bipolar disorder related but when you were touching on the idea of of um of the switch i totally completely understood what you were saying because i i kind of yeah. regarded as a, a switch in the sense that there is something that kind of flicks in your mind that leads you to kind of you can't because well really i mean the crux of it is maybe we can make the argument of i'm not speaking for you but for me it was it's either do i just do i just die do i just die and 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 end my life or do i actually yeah that's literally the decision you end up getting to i mean I'm, i'm sorry if that that makes people listening uncomfortable, but that really is the that is really as as terrible as it can get for people like me and Jules. And, um... and when when we first had the, the uh, diagnosis, because mm-hmm. I've had it, it comes and goes. 
20 years, mm -hmm. right? When it first happened, you do literally want to mm -hmm. die. So you even think about doing it or go to the extent of trying mm -hmm. it. But when you've had it for a while, the great thing about it is, if you know, if you stick with it, you will get better. But the first time it ever happens, it's like, um, and I think this must be for all types of mental health. Yeah. And particularly depression. I'm not so sure about schizoaffective, but because um, they're not, reality's not quite there. But you think your world is going to end. You think that no one loves you. You think that you're a burden, even on your wife, your kids, your best friend. You think, and it's illogical, that you not being there, they're going to have a better mm -hmm. life. Yeah. Right? And it's an illogical thing. It's not. I can't explain it any better. No, no, than that. you're spot on. That's literally how you feel. Like, um, you you start looking at the, you know, because when you, because to to clap to, to 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 the flip side of the coin, like right now, you know, I I think I can speak for you as well when I say this. We're, us two in general are in a better place. Like we're we're we're, we're okay. So okay. thinking of it now, the the very people you would say that to went unwell. When you're well, we would look at them and go, they're the reason I want to continue my life, which is so twisted because, as you're saying, when you're not very well, you're looking at them people and go, I'm better off not being here because they would have a better life and I'm horrible and I'm useless and I can't deal with things. When you're well, you look at them people around you. Like I look at my friends I've known 20 years from school and, you know, I go out, like I went out with them on Christmas Eve and I was like, you know, I really yeah. do. I really am grateful that they're still here for me. You know, and I, I, I love them for it. And I, I consider them brothers. Like, I, I do. Like, I, 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 but when you're not very well, like, you kind of just look at them and go, I, they don't really, they don't really need me in their life. Like, and I'm like, but they're still here. <laughs> they're still wanting to know you. So, but you can't. But my point is, I just think, I, I, I get 100% what you're saying. I just think the, the, the key, the key part of that, though, is this idea of how capable you are to understand, how capable you are to deal with that? Because the whole premise of you being that unwell is that you're being told that by your illness. Like you're being told that yeah. over and over again. It's not necessarily you, you know? So, sorry. You've argued this on the radio, haven't you? Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. It, it, we're two different people, man, when we're well and ill. In fact, we're three people, right? We're the one when we're depressed. We're the one when we're high and we're the one it's like me with a poet i'm three different people i'm a performer i'm myself and then i'm the person when i'm writing yeah it's the same well it's obviously not mental illness then but in any way it's impossible for anybody to stay on the same level in life right because everybody has stress mm -hmm. everybody has a gas bill come through yep. the door everybody could have 10 gas bills come through the door <laughs> not necessarily gas yeah. but yeah at the same yeah. time some people can deal with it because of their genetics and their environment and the way they've been brought up. Others, because of the opposite, and also because they're alone and they've got nobody to turn to. In the end, it's a, a, a camel, a, a needle on a whatever, camel's yeah. back or whatever it is. Needle in a haystack. That's why, needle in a haystack. That's why, um, with me, that's always the reason why I've gone down and I'll just go. Because I can't cope. Mm -hmm. Because I worry so much that I think I'm useless. Yep. Yeah. So if I had what you're talking about, friends, which I have, uh, or I'm not talking about friends. If I had the uh, 
um, medical input. So someone coming to talk to me from their side and monitoring yep. me. If they can monitor your mood, that's what they're paid for, mm -hmm. right? And to tell me when I'm going, you know, they should actually interfere more in that respect, but they shouldn't interfere uh, with, in terms of putting you in hospital and sectioning you because they're controlling your life mm -hmm. then. Advice is good. Um, maybe a little, you know, let's go down the shop now or let's go and pay your bill, mm -hmm. right? I'll come with you, right? But yeah, I That's just think, I just think, yeah, I think like based on our discussion we just had, which I think is hopefully going to be fascinating, especially for people who don't have an illness to hear, because um, I do get, you know, I do get feedback in relation to this, which is excellent, is that I do think, like, I hope that, <clears> as, I, 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 I would say based on what we just touched about, touched about, is I agree with like 90% of what you just said, like, um, because I, I just think the thing that I, um, the thing that I, uh, I, openly want to talk about more which is what i just touched on was as again as this idea of that um it's just it, it it's it's easy to say when you're well to say that like oh the thing is is i need to switch this thing to be well again because um you know if you had the answer to what would make you feel well enough to get there then you would you would take that answer it's just uh, and maybe you're right maybe it's just it maybe 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 the the solution is you you said this earlier is Maybe it's a case of with certain illnesses is that it just it it's a natural it takes just takes time, like you just it, yeah. you just have to. Certainly, with, mm -hmm. with bipolar and depression, mm -hmm. with with pure depression, mm -hmm. it does. It has to run its course. It's your body telling you. Mm -hmm. Because I honestly don't think, Jules, I'm, I'm speaking for me when I say this, when I, you know, because part of me looks at that and goes like, you know, when you said that, I was going, is there something I could have done during the, like, I've had two yeah. major breakdowns and, and, you know, I nearly, you know, I've touched on this in other podcasts, but I nearly, I know I nearly destroyed my university degree and um, I knew I got on to university through a, you know, medical, medical uh, exemption because I screwed up my sick, my A levels because I was so ill. Um, um, you know, so there's there's two periods of my life that I nearly completely, you know, like I screwed up academically because I was so, you know, ill that I don't look. I look back at them times and think, what could I possibly? The first time, and as I'm sure you touched on this in your first time. I was young and I didn't know what I had. So you can make the argument of, of, you know, you can give me a pass in the sense of I was ignorant to what I was going through because it's the first time. Um, but the second time when I was in hospital last year, I, I can't for the life of me tell you what I could have done differently because anyone, anyone who was around me before I ended up in hospital, I tried everything I could to, um, to the only thing I think I could say, and I'm not saying I, you know, I'm I'm sure there would have been something that would have made it easier, maybe, but I think it was inevitable what was going to happen. And but I, the only thing I I would say, and I do this a lot, and I don't know whether you're the same. I'm actually wanting to ask you this: is that I um because having an active mind with with what I do, yeah. that kind of helps me deal with my illness, like be like be having something to do. So I usually, whenever I start feeling the symptoms of knowing that I'm not feeling that in a right frame of mind, I work harder uh, as my way of dealing with it. And I've known now that I make sure, this is something I'm learning as I'm getting older, is whenever I feel that way, that I make sure I like forcibly make myself take a break 
um, which is something I ever used to do. So I would say the only criticism I would give myself would be that I did too much leading up to me, uh, like leading yeah. up to it. But so what? 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 What, how, what, what would you say is something you've worked on during your time of knowing it? I'd just like to first of all one sentence okay. on that. There's a when I'm depressed, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's no good me trying to do work because it'll just make yeah. me worse. The way I actually my strategy for it okay. is to do as much as I can when I'm well, like you say. So it it pushes the possibility of depression coming back. The problem is that with that is mm-hmm. what happens for me and probably for you is we do too mm-hmm. much. And we hit a wall. Completely agree. So that, and so what we need, and what, and we don't need actually to rely on health professionals to do that. What I've done this time, and I'm telling you, this is what I do right every day in my life. So I work in the morning, mm-hmm. right, and then I do all my poetry and everything, and then I see my family, and then on the afternoon from five o'clock after after that, I socialise. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So you do yeah. not. So you make sure you don't do any work after a certain time. Well, I am doing work, but it's it's with me. Work is um. Mm-hmm. Well, it's mainly socialising. It's mm-hmm. um, your phone's going off again. By the way, I don't know whether we might, maybe we should stop to see if we can fix that. Um, is there a way you can? Is there a way you can? Um, I know what to yeah, do. Yeah. Okay. Is there a way you can then... just like? Um, do you need to stop the call to do it? Do you? Do you need hey, to stop? Do you I need to stop the call to do it? I don't think so because I think you, is it not just a button you can? I have a button on my phone that turns the vibration off. Yeah, I am. Well, my mic's out, but I don't know where it okay, is. Okay, well, as long as you can work it out, because it's yeah, I can hear it. I can it's been going off every. It stopped for about fifteen minutes and then it uh, happened again. So sorry, guys, for people who are listening, but we'll we'll deal with that. Stay with me. Um, we can. I'll obviously cut this this uh, this bit while you're sorting out the video. Vibrations. Yeah, if you just turn that off, so then you don't get a. a it's because I don't necessarily think it's a beep. I just think I can hear the vibration because you're on an external microphone. It's vibrating on what you've got it resting on. I think so. I can hear it when I, I can hear it in my headphones. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Um, hold on a minute. I'll just get rid of that one. All right, can you see me still? Uh, yep, still good. Okay. Fantastic, great. Right, so that was just a quick pause, but um, so so yeah, sorry, we're back, guys. Uh, hopefully the uh, hopefully the vibration's gone. Um, but yeah, well, so 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 yeah, what? Well, well, I played pool. I played pool all, all night against my best mate. Mm-hmm. Well, not all night for mm-hmm. an hour, and then I'm missing, if I'm in a good mood, in other words, if people basically because well because I win, people are always coming up to me because they think they want to they want to knock me off my pedestal. Usually it's good natured, but then you come across some people who are nasty. No, it's still doing it, Jules. It's still uh, it's still vibrating, Jules. Yeah, yeah, I just heard it. I just heard it. That's weird. We're gonna get into Facebook. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I think if you get it's like, it, it, like it, maybe if you could like uh, it might be notifications or something. Maybe you need to turn notifications off or something like that. You must well, on Facebook. I'm on on Facebook. I'm on. Uh... You must be getting something sent to your phone, like as a notification or a message that's beeping yeah, every time you get something. So, um, on, no worries. Setting notifications. Where's that at? Notification. Have you got it on silent? Oh, that's yeah. weird. 
and it's all vibrating mm. as well. That's what's so, stupid about that. It's got a separate thing for vibrations to turn off, but it'll I've be something. It, all right. Fantastic. Uh, Sorry, right, I'll make a note of mentioning this in the um I'll make a notice about mentioning this in the introduction that uh you might hear a vibration every now and again. That's it's just because we used this we recorded this on Jules' phone. I'll just make sure we I'll make sure to mention that. Um for good or good good um good good um conversation though. Because I, I, I agree with you on a lot of what you said. Not that it's not that, that matters. If I, if you said something I disagree with, that's even more interesting, but it's nice to hear that. It's nice to hear that whole thing about switch switches. I I I that's how I, I view it. And it could be something it can be something really simple as well. Like that's the thing that I find most infuriating but kind of interesting about it is that you know it could that's why I think, you know granted, yeah, you need the switch to kind of do something, but whatever that switch is, I think you should try and get it from anywhere. And I think some of the time I've had experiences where it has helped that a friend has just went, oh, by the way, um, yeah. oh. it at least stops me from getting the worst, as I guess is what I'm saying, because that's really what we ultimately want. Um, you still there, Jules? Hello? Oh, great. I'm gone. Hello? Uh, let's see. Does that look right? Looks good to me. Yeah, cool. Right. So yeah, apologies, guys, for the uh, just for the benefit of my editing. Uh, we had it, and uh, for the video version, we had a bit of a cut off there. Um, but yeah, so we were obviously got talking about bipolar disorder, which was fascinating. Um, and as we were touching on, I hope you just kind of, um, even if you're not someone who has mental health problems, that you found that interesting, that it that it educated you in some way, and even if you do have mental health problems, I think, as I was touching on, I, I agreed with Jules about night with ninety percent of ninety percent of what we said. You know, I just I guess part of the the benefit of having an open conversation like me and Jules had was was that we have the ability to 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 do that is to educate each other and to and to um the only way you get to do that is by communicating with people and to be open enough to to discuss it so i hope it helped i hope it helped in whatever whatever way but there, but in terms of what i wanted to talk to jules about um because obviously he's touched on this throughout the interview uh, or conversation as it were is um and it's mentioned on his lovely banners that he's a poet and he talked about storyteller as it were and so i want to sort of ask you with you know, you you've said that you you write as a you know as if well is it fair to say I, I'll not assume that is it fair to say that you write to cope? Sorry, say again. Uh, would I you? say that you would I would it be fair to say that you that uh that part of like you, do you is part of the writing process and writing poems a form of coping for you? Yes, hundred percent. Hundred. So is that essentially how your your interest in it started? I tell you, uh, I was uh, I was in a mental hospital, uh-huh. well, the county hospital in Durham. Mm-hmm. It's under the railway bridge. It's not there anymore. It's closed down mm-hmm. about nine, ten years ago. And they actually one of the best mental hospitals in the northeast region. So what do they do? They close it. Mm-hmm. Good idea, isn't it? Uh, but they had, uh, they've got um, a social services like health uh, day centre uh, connected to it, right on the next road. And it's basically people who get discharged from the hospital have got somewhere to go in their day. And then we do courses and all sorts of like uh, 
writing art, learning to play drums, computers, uh, listening to music, uh, drama. So they have all these courses on in the week. Mm. It's in liaison with New College Durham. And it's also in liaison with uh, the Recovery College in uh, that, that opened up last year. It's also in Durham at St. Margaret's. Anyway, I'm going off the point there. So I went, so as part of my discharge, mm-hmm. so I was still in hospital when I went, but yep. during the day that I went there a couple of times, uh, and I didn't know there was anything poetry on, mm-hmm. and I just went, so I didn't even know I was going to do poetry. Mm-hmm. This is a strange thing. And uh, I just thought, well, what class shall I go in there to? And I chose this guy, his name is, um, his name is, Steve Irwin, he's a famous poet in the northeast. I know who he is. I know who Steve Irwin is, yeah. And he was my mentor. All right. So he goes in. So the six of us around the table, right? Uh, We've all got mental health issues, including Steve Irwin, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's a bipolar person like us. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know that because he doesn't tell anybody. Yeah, very private guy, yeah. Uh, I didn't find out till last year, and I've known him for nine years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was just by chance. He just somehow mentioned it, shocked mm-hmm. me. Um, anyway, so and you meet some fantastic people, and because it's poetry, well, it's just to learn. Uh, well, first of all, you don't have to. He says this is the most valuable piece of advice I've ever had of anybody. Uh, just write. He, he says, "Well, I'm not a poet, but just write." Mm-hmm. Don't think about it, just do it. It's a way of expressing your feelings when you do that. It's like a journal, basically. And then over time, if they get into it, which they all did in their own way, because it all allowed them to write about what they were going through at that moment mm-hmm. or in their lives. Yeah. And then share it by reading the poems out to everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Share it around the table, and then we'd have a bit chat. Mm-hmm. And also we'd learn to write. So Stephen, you know, you know, all the techniques of writing, like uh, alliteration, uh, I don't know what that means, because that's a word. Um, the one where you where you um, give a word, for instance, if you said, if I said Steve to you, uh-huh. you'd write five lines with the first letter beginning with each letter of your name, so that the and put the letter, first letter in bold so it reads Steve down the side. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know what they're called, but yeah, I know what you're on about, yeah. You get them in, like, greeting cards and stuff sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a good idea. And it, so you'd, you'd, you'd ask someone to explain, use their initials and explain what they're like, for instance. <laughs> they, don't uh, to, they don't even have to use rhyme. You can just put words. Yeah, that's stuff. interesting, yeah. So it's kind of like putting structure to it, but making you think in relation to the structure. Um, rather than just writing something that's like got a got a, I suppose a, for want of a better word, like a purpose to it. Um, yeah. Uh, we can move on to rhyme and mm-hmm. and poetry is not just about rhyme. It's uh, sometimes when you really feel emotional about something, or well, emotional. I mean, if something upsets you, or you've got to get it off your chest. Mm-hmm. The best poetry comes out. You don't even rhyme it. You just write it. Mm-hmm. Don't think it. Uh, I don't do that enough. Because I'm sort of a professional now. Mm-hmm. I like all mine to rhyme, but I do write uh, freestyle. And when I do, it can be some of my best because it's unusual and it's it's meaningful as well because you have to think about what it means. Mm-hmm. Rhyme doesn't point to the meaning. 
it's funny you say that because like you know i, I touched on this earlier when i mentioned um, oh. this is what i always find sort of interesting when i talk to creative people because i've had you know i've had other poets on the podcast and i've had you know musicians and comedians on and various other things and and it's funny that um you know that's something that is a common trend in what you know creative people say in the sense of and i guess non-creative people kind of maybe struggle to understand this point is that that feeling you get when you when you when you do something without even thinking and it comes to you like it's regarded as inspiration i suppose is the right is that is that like that feeling uh that that that's hard that just happens you can't like sort of make it it's not doesn't come out of a bottle you know so but when it does it's like that's i yeah the, the point i'm making is the majority of the time is that people do turn around and say that that leads to their best work um which from my from my experiences whenever i've wrote anything like that and i i have done gigs before is that um is that yeah the 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 music i like of my own personal music there's um there's only ever been the you know whenever you write something and it feels so personal to you that it even matters even now they're a lot lot rarer than but but i guess that do you think that's what leads to maybe people turn around and saying you're professional or you do it as a career because i've heard this with other poets and other artists is that you know you kind of do it when you don't feel that inspirational you do write regardless is that kind of the discipline i only say i'm professional because i do it every day yeah like a job and mm-hmm. my aim is to become not famous for fame's sake, mm-hmm. but to become well. Well, first it was about therapy, yep. helping me get better. Yeah. It continued to be for a couple of years. Then it, it was about helping other people get better. Mm-hmm. Because my words, as you know, motivate people. Mm-hmm. And the very least they do is think. Mm-hmm. In fact, they think all the time mm-hmm. because they never. T- they're always silent when they do. They listen to my poetry, mm-hmm. and I used to think that was like they don't like me. Mm-hmm. And then after a few goes, I realised that the more silent they are, the more silent they are in the poem. You can hear a pin drop, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's that's fascinating. Actually, we should touch on that because you know you compare that to a for, to a stand-up comedian, for example. That for a stand-up comedian, that would be regarded as them terrible. But yeah, you're right. Um. I agree with you. Being a poetry gigs is not necessarily about people being. If you if you can not hear anything while a person's doing a poem, that's that's a fantastic sign. If people are, if people are going to talk to you in my gig, man, uh, it's never really happened to me. But mm-hmm. it does happen occasionally. I walk I walk away, man. Mm-hmm. I'm wasting my time. Yeah. Because I'm putting loads of effort in. I mean, like, yeah. There should and... be buddy there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you touched yeah. on this with Steve. Um, I mean, I was going to ask you this in relation to in the Northeast, because I have discussed this before on the podcast is um, the, the, the sort of boom that the, the poetry scene has, has, has had over a certain period of time. Because, you know, when I was at university and I was doing comedy, for example, there wasn't that there was hardly anything remotely poetry around. And this was what, nearly 10 years ago. And now it now you I make the argument of if you go to a, a random event somewhere in town, that ninety percent of the time you're probably going to get a you're going to probably find something poetry related. Um, what do you think the reason for that is? There's lots of reasons. One um, is because uh, there's lots of people around who really want to do it, mm-hmm. and they're not doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a community here in Crook. There's a group of artists here, right? Uh huh. 
not poets, rappers, painter, rapper, painter, DJ, mixer, uh, another rapper, etc. Mm-hmm. And they come around my house and we do a, we jam. Nice. Jam. Mm-hmm. These rappers, they jam. You know what they do when they jam? They put a tune on and they just. Yeah, and they just it. freestyle, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, well, they learn them still, though. Mm-hmm. So, but I can do that as well now. I could do it anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm getting into that. Well, I mix with, um, getting off the point, but I mix with rappers as well, man. Mm-hmm. So you won't know him, but there's a guy named Arid Fool. Uh, that's not his real name. It is, we've all got stage names, by the way. Uh, in, in um, he lives in Wall's End, actually. Um, he, he holds gigs at the Chillingham Arms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've done two major gigs with him. Last year, I did one at uh, Chesman Dean overnight. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Cool. It was one of the most surreal experiences out because, not because anything was going down wrong with dogs and that, but mm-hmm. well, it was dark, right? So they put all these little candles all the way around the cave. And I don't know whether you've been to the cave in Chesman Dean, but all you could see. Was, it was like stars mm-hmm. all the way for like 200 yards. Awesome. It looked like her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and anyway, and it was dark, so we didn't have any light apart from that. And then we saw the, the dawn mm-hmm. come up. So it was like from 11 till 6 in the morning. And we were, they were doing singing and rapping. Uh, they had a mic and everything. Probably not a mic. Um, what is it called? A mm-hmm. speaker. And uh, I did some poetry. And we just, and I'm still friends with them, man. And people there that I've only met once, but I'm meeting them again in April because because his name's our Ari Fool. He like has a festival. All right, nice. On that, like, every first every first okay. of April, so there's a two day festival in uh, Newcastle, I think on the West Road somewhere, mm-hmm. in one of the buildings where there's going to be um, all sorts of acts there, and I'm one of the main guests. I'm on the poster. Very nice. Sweet. I'm actually actually gigging. I've got five gigs next year, and I'm headlining for them. Very nice. Good for that you. Is, that is that makes me. Yeah, it should it should do. So what's your, is that? So is the April first the first one you're doing next year, or is the one before that? Morning, Middlesbrough. I'll tell uh-huh. you them. January the sixteenth, Middlesbrough. I'm doing the Little Theatre. You know what Little Theatres are? They're like. Not big for you. Run by, <laughs> uh, run by the community. Okay, yeah. One in Jesmond, next to the um, next to the pub, the famous pub on the corner. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at Jesmond Dean, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, they're run by, they're all over the place. So this guy's arranged it, and then all these people from all over the northeast are going. There'll be musicians there, poets. Are you referring to the? Yeah, are you referring to the People's Theatre? Something, yeah, the, yeah, uh, the People's well, Theatre in Jasmine, yeah. And that's what I'm, that, well, that's yeah, what yeah. It, they call it the Little Theatre in uh, in uh, mm-hmm. Middlesbrough. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. I've never been yet, but um, this is the first one mm-hmm. they're doing. They do one at the Bar Loco as well, which is in right next to the Yeah, I've seen, I've, I've been to Bar Loco, yeah. I, they do, they do, it's uh, in the upstairs. I've been there yeah. many times. Not the time, but I, I can't. Of course, they happen every week, so if you want to go, you can just go. Yeah, yeah, just, just an open, open slot thing, isn't it? Yeah. 
the other one uh, I told you one about in Newcastle that's on April the 1st I'm doing one on um, February the 6th with mental health it's World Mental Health Day and Steve Steve O. Driscoll through Time for Change mm-hmm. and possibly through Launchpad yeah. although I think it's just Change have invited me to do two 20 minute sets. Very nice. At the, at the Very nice. Is that going to be that good? That sounds fantastic. Steve is, uh, oh, uh, just for the benefit of people who don't know, Steve O'Driscoll's been, um, been uh, uh, is, a, is a, a co collaborator on Mentally Sound. He's a really cool dude. Um, and yeah, so. Uh-huh. Did you know him before Mentally Sound? No. I'm sorry, you couldn't you couldn't out a bit there. Point. What did you say? I said no. Uh, I didn't know him at all, but now we're best oh, mates. Cool. Seriously. Nice to hear. Yeah. No, he's cool. As I say, I've, I've I've said to you privately, which I'm happy to share, is that yeah, I I do like him a lot. I think he's I think he's cool. Um, but yeah, no, that that sounds fantastic. Like so, it's. Yeah. I'm doing another one at uh, a place called Holt Whistle. Mm-hmm. You know I've heard of that. I've heard of it. Yeah. I don't know where it. Geography wise, my geography is terrible. People who listen to this are aware of this. Odo <laughs> and uh, uh, on the way to Carlisle, and um, they have actually asked me to do it. It's in a conservative club of all places, but they love my poetry on the Facebook. Mm-hmm. And this guy, it's a lot to do with darts because I'm, I'm a sort of an unofficial poet for darts. Nice for um, darts players and. Um, because of Willington, where I used to mm-hmm. live, is the centre of one of the. It's like the centre of the darts of a county Durham, which. Ah, uh, right, matches. yeah, the regional stuff. Yeah, okay, cool. It's Lancashire and places nice. like that. And my friends, I'm friends with them mm-hmm. all, so they asked me to do that. I've done many major gigs. Well, one really important one mm-hmm. for them. I could tell you about that. Do you want me to give you two more? Yeah, go for it, yeah. It's go important. Because yeah. um, there's a guy. First of all, I know two famous. Sorry, no, I know three famous darts players. I'm sure I've heard of them. I'm a little bit of. I'm a little bit into darts, so I could probably be stick with. Uh, no, I mean I know them as I know them to oh, talk right, yeah. to. Uh, one is Doug McCarthy, who actually lives in Crook, mm-hmm. and me and him play pool together down at my local. Uh, he got to the world champion. He won a a world championship doubles cup with John Lowe. Oh yeah, I know John Lowe. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then there's um, the guy that uh, I wrote a poem for. So what happened? All these people. There's a there's a guy who's in who lives in Ferry Hill, which is near Sedgefield, yeah. and his name uh, was is and was Phil Nixon. Oh yeah. Uh, he was known as the Ferry Hill Flyer. <laughs> I do know Phil Nixon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he passed away two years ago from cancer. Mm-hmm. He died. Didn't have cancer in six weeks, and then he died in terrible pain. Oh, that's terrible. I wasn't six even aware he died. Ago. That's awful. And of course, they're all mates mm-hmm. with him. Now, in other words, he used to invite them round his mm-hmm. house, right? Because he was that kind of guy. Because darts players are. They've got no. Um, it's all about working class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and he. When he died, he invited five of them round to his house to say, 
I'm going to cry now. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being my friend. That's really sweet. He knew he was dying. Right. Now, I heard all these stories, and I says, I've got to write a poem. Mm-hmm. Well, they asked me, first of all. One of my other friends who lives in Wellington asked me to write a poem. So I write it, and it's class, right? And it's called The Last Goodbye. Mm-hmm. One one of these days, I'll read it. Not today, no, you don't need to. Time. That's fine. I think that's a great sentiment, but that's... that's Wow, that's... Let me finish the story because it's, it's yeah, even better. So the um, they had this junior competition on in uh, in Stanup, which is about fifteen miles from yeah. me, uh, and there's a guy named Kevin Hill from Hartlepool who organises it, or and he knows me through Wellington. Mm-hmm. I got in touch with him and I said, because I knew I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it for them. So uh, can I come down? At half time, and do the poem, but I never told them that I was gonna what I was gonna mm-hmm. do, so they all thought I was just doing a poem, right? So they were totally surprised. So comes to half. So this is sixteen year olds, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. youth, Durham yeah. youth, uh, and a few. There was a professional there as well from Cramlington, who's world number eleven, called Gary Robson. Mm-hmm. I says to him. I'm going to read a poem. He says, well, I'll just have a fag. I says, you don't want to have a fag because I'm talking about your best mate. Right. So every one of them. Word got round, right? So they're ready. And what I was talking about before, so there's 100 people there, right? In this little, well, it wasn't a little room, but it wasn't a big room. I'm standing on the stage where the hockey Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And six or seven verses. And you could hear a pin drop, right? Literally, it's the most I've ever had it. And at the end, they all they hit the roof. Right. They all come up to me and say, that was fantastic and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And uh, Gary Robson says straight to me, that's going straight on my website. Right? Mm-hmm. Understand? So forget about that. So a year later... Because I didn't know his wife's name, you see, because I've never mm-hmm. met them. So my other mate, another of my friends, actually told me her name. So anonymous, not anonymously, but she's on Facebook. So I just messaged her with the poem a year later. And the family loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's incredible. Isn't that a lovely story? No, it's a great story. I was just going to say, I, I didn't, sorry, I didn't realise you weren't finished when I interrupted you before, so I apologise. But just... It's just the, it's just the, the, the what, what, what strikes me is that, I mean, you know, who, I mean, in the story you've just told, who cares about them being famous or not? It's, it's, but, you know, it's just, it's a small world because, you know, you mentioned, you know, I know both of them dance players because they play on the BDO uh, circuit, which yeah. is the, uh, yeah. the, the BBC one. And I had no idea that Phil had uh, passed away. So that's, that's shocking to hear. But what a great um, eulogy you gave him. Like, you know, that's, that's phenomenal. And, and, from what I hear, you know, through the, the through, through what other darts players have said, and I've watched interviews of them talking about this, uh, it is a very tight knit community. Like, you know, there's no like, it's not necessarily like a competitive thing. Yeah, they go out and try and win against each other, but then they'll have a practice the next day with each other. It's like it's such a tight knit group, which is it's phenomenal. But um, they don't even they don't even drink that much. No, anymore. yeah, because of the change. Yeah, 
Yeah, because uh, what you yeah, because what Jules is referring to in the they used to be allowed to drink alcohol like when John Lowe and various other people were around, and uh, they uh, sketch on the not the nine o'clock news, which was a sketch show in the eighties where they famously do this thing where instead every time they hit a double, there'd be like a double vodka, and it was the guy would smoke a double vodka, uh, the guy would uh, drink a double vodka, and uh, that sketch did did so much damage to darts in general because it was obviously playing on a stereotype, but it was one that the the public generally sort of believed, and that sketch actually did worse for the the, the stereotype because it reinforced it. So, um, once uh, and as you said, they they kind of changed it uh like late eighties, I think something roughly around that time. Um, because when I was watching it, they stopped doing they stopped being allowed to drink alcohol. Uh, but then I haven't said that. I remember. You know, I was a big. Snoo- I know we we just done this because you were a pool guy. Is I was really into snooker, and I remember. Yeah. I remember. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember uh, seeing like when Higgins, Alex Higgins, was still around. Obviously, who everyone knows had a well documented alcohol problem, and I I remember he used to. They must have spent a while not banning alcohol in the in the in the snooker championships because I would still remember him having matches where he'd still be drinking. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't with one guy, Bill Wormanek, because mm-hmm. he had to drink, because it stopped him shaking, and it wasn't because he was an alcoholic; he got some sort of um, muscular mm-hmm. disease. So if he didn't drink, he couldn't. Ah, oh, so it was like an aphrodisiac, in a way. Well, yeah, it stopped yeah, him shaking. Yeah, it was though. like an, I see an aphrodisiac, yeah. isn't it? Uh, it helped him control it. Okay, that's fascinating. Anyway. <laughs> One last story. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, and then we'll I say we should play some poetry. You don't have to do the poem you mentioned because obviously that was very tearful. But what a great, what a fantastic story. I think that I hope that will. Um... This one, this one this morning is even better. Well, it's not even better, but it's mm-hmm. on the same level, yeah, right? I, I mean, I really like Jeremy Corbyn because he's he's a different face, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Anyway, on Facebook there's this. Um, there's a group that's just into over 50s, so they're called Jeremy Corbyn supporters. Mm-hmm. And I only got involved with it because one of my poet friends, uh, she's 75 actually, her name's Di. Big up for Di Kofi from Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Um, she, we, we correspond with each other mm-hmm. anyway, and she told me about it. So I joined and I've been making those more actually that a lot of them are getting going to get involved with the uh, with um mental mentally sound until uh, they're interested Great. right yeah i've got yeah, mentally sound has taken a bit of a I'm, I'm doing other things at the moment but when i get back onto my publicity i'll be back but anyway so i decided i put a couple of poems on just political <laughs> ones but i've been thinking about writing one and I know exactly what I was going to write uh, about Jeremy Wright, and it's based on the song Centerfold by Jay Gar's band. Do you yeah. that one? My baby is a centerfold. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I wrote it this morning at half past nine. Just was listening to the words, but I just changed them a lot in the song. Posted it on 10, and it, at 10, and it's sort of gone viral. Right, mm-hmm. seriously, the likes, and then it's been posted on the political forum, whatever it's called, 
I've sent it to Jeremy Corbyn at the Labour Party and various other places already. It's on Twitter. But I hate to think what's happened to it. And I haven't even started yet, right? And that just, well, the one that thing tells, I mean, it's amazing, first of all. But the thing is that if you go for it, you can you can get things done. And if you build up a network as well, man, important thing in our field, I don't know about you, how you do it or what you're trying to get out of it, but it's really knowing people and spreading the word. When they know you're a good poet, they see your posts and they actually read mm -hmm. them. You know what I mean? They, they make an effort because mm -hmm. they know they're going to be good. And I get so much out mm -hmm. of it, man. It makes me feel... Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, you know, I, I freely maintain, as I say, I, I, I am, you know, involved in in various different pursuits and stuff I'm interested in, but one of the things that you know, from based on what you said about your poetry, like, you know, I, I it's something there's there's a couple of things you mentioned, like just to just to end the thought about what you said, just there was a thing that came to my head, what you were saying is um, about knowing people and making a network is I said this on the last podcast I did I think is that there's a wrestler there was a wrestler called Diamond Dallas Page who um, I saw an interview he did recently and uh, I love that I always refer to his line in regards to what you were just uh, generalizing where he was like I it's all everyone makes the point of saying it's who you know in the it's who you know in the business or whatever or it's who you know that leads to being successful he he kind of. <laughs> But he kind of uh, puts a footnote in that and says, "I don't necessarily think that's true. It's kind of what people were were, were he was like. It's, it's kind of on the right lines, but I phrase it this way: It's not necessarily who you know. It's the people who are willing to tell the people that they know you. And I I really understood that, and I think that's a much better way of describing it. Is it's not necessarily that people are willing. To, it's people that know you and go, oh great. It's people who are willing to go. I know that guy. He's cool." Because you're a nice yeah. person, because you never give them mm -hmm. an asshole, so they go out their mm -hmm. way for you. And that's that's yeah. that's what helps a lot, especially when you're making something well. new. Um, most definitely, you've got to be, be good mm -hmm. as well. Oh yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, you've got to be good, most definitely. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of people don't realize is that, um, yeah, I think that's a good annotation as well that you just said because there's a lot of people who are willing to do something and try something and you, and as we touched on at the beginning of the podcast like you can do that fairly easily you know with the amount of availability there is for things but you have to actually work at your craft and um, you can't just be you, you can have talent but talent needs to be worked hard that on as well time. sorry it takes time to get mm -hmm. really good it's taken me nine mm -hmm. years nine years to where be where yeah. i am now i have the confidence to do mm -hmm. what i do I mean, oh totally i mean i have i have i uh yeah i'd yeah i i understand what you said like what initially with me you get the you you don't know the score you don't know the business and it so you send off i don't do it so much mm -hmm. now you send off uh things to publishers and to newspapers yeah. and you never get anything mm -hmm. and you think i'm shit mm -hmm. but you're not it's because one of them they're editors and they haven't got mm -hmm. a clue Two, they take six months to do yep. anything. And two, you're lucky if it even lands on their, on their desk. Yeah. So, but when it does happen, the first time, so when I, so I know the system now and I know I'm good and I know what to if, to submit as well. Like if there's a subject going on like about, I don't know, 
you know, that's just happening. Write to think about it. You're in, you know. Or for the local area, write something local, like for Northern mm-hmm. Echo. So I've actually had 67 poems published nice. in my career. And I've only been, that was only a phase. Mm-hmm. So I only did it for like two mm-hmm. years. I don't need to do it anymore because I proved myself. Mm-hmm. But like a short comment here, you know, when I got better this mm-hmm. time, I decided the way to do it, I talked to that bloke, then I decided I was going to write a poem. Now that's when I know I'm going to get better because I want to write again. So I wrote this poem. It took me a, a three days to finish it because it had, I had to perfect. I had it had to be perfect because just the way yeah. I was. You know, I put it on Facebook, right? I put it on this international website called Pentazi B. Pentazi means something like peace, I think. It's uh, Philippines, right? Sixteen minutes later, now bearing in mind, I'd been it. I hadn't can't talk to anybody in six months. I hadn't done anything. Six or five months, she writes back to me, thanks me, and says that a great poem. We want to put it in our magazine. Mm-hmm. Sixteen minutes, man. How proud was I? I was thinking, why have I been doing this for the last six months when I could have just, you know, well, it's not like no, that at all. It's just, it was just meant to happen. Yeah, as well. yeah. Well, so, well, I, 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 I. Again, if you don't try. If you don't try, mm-hmm. so if you don't put it on there. But I would say though, yeah, I, I, but, yeah. But I would just say, I, 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 I'm not willing. I'm not meaning to um, dismiss that. Obviously, it was a great, you know. Obviously, it was a great thing. But um, that's, you know, I, I would be careful. I'd be, you know, obviously, yeah. Of course, you want to, you want to focus on the positive stuff because that's what people should do. But. I'm sure there's periods of time you may find them in, inconsequential, but there would be periods of time during the time that you weren't well where you would have, we would have tried with other things and not went anywhere. Like that just happened to have happened, you know that. Yeah, so I'm saying like you know you can't, you know that's that. I just want to quantify that you know, it that's kind of the, the, there's an element, there's a huge element of luck involved in that, and 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 the 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 real the real the real thing that you deserve to, you should give yourself credit for is keep trying. Like that's the thing that, that people most should do. most should care about, because if you don't keep trying the, you know, my, my, I always say to people like, you know, yeah, it's great when one of them things work, but you've got to put into perspective. You've probably tried a thousand other times before that. And that one time it actually happened. Um, It's all about time, mm -hmm. man. It's all about time. You just got to give yourself time. And the most important thing that I like to say, and I'm sure you agree with me, is you yourself and me myself are the only ones who can fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Until we're ready to, until we try, people can try as hard as they want. They can come every day. We ain't listening. We've got a wall up there. We're saying to ourselves, for some reason, I don't want to try today. Right? Or I can't try today. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say. I I think I think I think there's a that I think that's the big sort of difference in regards to that is I think if you can turn to someone and say, "Are you trying to get better?" Uh, that is far different than someone who doesn't want to do it. Like if someone doesn't want to do it, then I think that's far different 
to treat somebody yeah. you can you, you can treat that person a lot less sympathetically than someone who's trying everything they can um because i i can't i have never i mean i've obviously wanted to give up in the sense of i can't do this anymore but it's not a case of that i'm not trying to get better and trying to find the right thing to do it's just i can't take it anymore that, that there's a that's a big difference to just not trying anymore it's just like i can't um i can't take I can't take what I'm going through. Like that's kind of how kind of how I looked at it. So again, like I was touching on earlier, I think there's there's I slightly I slightly worry about about that being about people taking that too literally because yeah, okay, yeah, it, it is ultimately up to us to to get to to fix the problem. But if you're in a situation where you're you're too unwell to fix a the problem, then that's that's asking someone to do something they can't do um so you have to find you have to whatever whether whether it's through getting professional help whether it's through whether it's through you just keep going like you say maybe it just takes time and one day your brain fixes into gear and gets better but whatever it is um there's no quick fix in this regard um there just isn't um and i think i would i would ascertain whoever whoever's feeling that bad with with any with any mental health issue it's all down to are they trying whatever they can to get better because i'd never point when i'm not trying i can't you know i might, might actually well you know i i i, I, I pro- i'm probably lying in the sense of i may have done that one day where i just went i'm not going to do this because i'm too i'm exhausted or whatever it may be but at no point did i go i'm 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 giving up fuck this like you know i i, I did in terms of wanting to end my life but that again that wasn't a sense of i'm not trying anymore it's it's literally i don't know what else to do that, that's literally how i that's literally so I, I just want to be make sure people are careful when they say that um because it's not a case of not trying your hardest to get better it's a case of you can't sometimes you just can't and it's having the ability to sympathize with that person and and, and show the compassion to go um you know but i get that i get the whole idea of if you're and i would also say if you're watching someone go through something like that and you're scared about yep. what they're going through. Imagine how they're feeling. That, that that's what mm-hmm. I do all the time. I have a look at someone like that. Like you touched on with I've had a I had a conversation when I was in hospital. I'm sure I may have even told you this, where I talked to a guy who had schizophrenia. And as you pointed out earlier in the in the show, um, it is a it is terrifying to hear someone talk about schizophrenia because I don't I've never had an experience as as awful as the way he described it. You know this idea of you're in a dream and you're not even aware of you're in it. Um, and as you said, you just you talk and act like you're not you. In, in a sense of you've just got no, you you haven't even got a perspective of that you're alive. Like uh, that's the way he was kind of telling it to me, and I was just like, that's awful because in with bipolar disorder, I don't know whether you think this, but I I kind of have the feeling of it, it, you know you're in hell and you want to get out of it. Like you're you're always aware of. You, you see, you're aware enough at the very least that you're unwell and you want to get better. But it sounds like with schizophrenia, is that you literally are out of your you're out you're out of your mind enough that you you're not even able to to kind of be aware of what's happening. It's just it's something you have to deal with, which is all an awful feeling when you think about it. But the good thing about schizophrenia, uh, though, is the tablets do mm-hmm. help. Because if they take them, then the voices are not as often, mm-hmm. or maybe not at all. But with us, with bipolar, it's more than tablets. I, the tablets to me are minimal. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's what's going on in the moment. I've never I've um, I've I've took a lot of different medications, and I'm I'm I, I mean maybe maybe it's a case of maybe it's a case of we just haven't found the right one. But yeah, I'm I'm I agree with you at, at this at this present time because I've never I don't think I've took anything that's ultimately made any real difference. And that's the problem with the medical mm. side; they only only believe yes. tablets. Totally, and totally that, agree with you. That pisses mm-hmm. me off, right? Well, it nearly killed yeah. me. I mean, it nearly killed me. I'm sure you probably. I can imagine it. I, I probably don't even need you to say that. It probably did the same for you to some degree. I, I make the argument of, and this is the reason. This is what I did when I. That's what I argued when I left hospital. Is that I think in more cases than not, and if you read case studies about people who have been on even longer term medication, it can do more harm than good. Well, I'm three stone overweight just for mm-hmm. tablets. Yeah. I didn't eat. I didn't eat for six months up yeah. there. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. My kids. That's what happened to me. But it wasn't a case of putting on medication. I just got. I got physically sick. Physically sick. Um, to the point of like I couldn't even get out of bed because I was paralyzed. Like because it just put me on so much stuff. Because what they never, what they, and this is the thing of you know when it's something I spoke to Gareth about, and I'm sure he's okay with me bringing this up. Is um. One of the things when he said about mentally sound is that it, something that we said behind the scenes was this: yeah, there was, cool. what we wanted to do was um, they they wanted me to say at the beginning of the show or like do it in, as a podcast thing afterwards, and we we still haven't done it yet, but we're I'm sure it's going to be brought up the next time we get together. Is and I I understood where he was coming from as he said, I'm wondering whether we should do like a message at the beginning saying. Uh, along the lines of we are not a professional organization we're not professionally medically trained so and I and I understood why he said that but I emailed back to him in Victoria and, and I think maybe Sharon as well yeah but but no but let me make my point then you can answer it's just uh, it's just my because I was gonna, I was getting on to what I responded by saying is that and this is a point I want you to want to share with you is that uh, my problem with that was I said that implies to me and something a person wouldn't consider when hearing that is that like that's sort of like saying almost like our opinion is never right. And it's like, oh, if you know, don't listen to us because we aren't right. And you need to go to a med- mental medical health professional who will tell you the right thing to do. And I think if our show has a, a, a unique purpose, which I, is how I how I certainly look at it, because I think we are doing something different, yeah. is that it should yeah. be that we voice uh, our opinions. And it's not like we haven't been through stuff, so we've got the experience. And you know, and I read research, and and um, I I don't claim to be a doctor whatsoever. So that's the thing I said for starters: we don't claim to be. Um, you know, medic, you know, uh, academically trained or anything like that. But we do have the experience of going through the very system that people are trying to get into, and it it deserves to be criticised when it does stuff wrong. And to yeah. to then for then us to say, oh, but go to the very people who, you know, it's a bit like I guess what I'm saying just to clarify is it's a bit like us starting the show by going everything we're saying is wrong and really should go to the medical health professionals. But now onto the show where we criticize the system we're sending you to, you know, do you get what I'm saying? It's like, I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily like my point to him was, 
you know, it sort of suggested that the doctors are always right and we are always wrong. And I don't agree with that. So I'm just interested to know what you think based on that. Well, I think I'm totally with you, man. Uh, one that you could introduce pattern. You've been, if we say that to them, we've been a bit patronising, yeah. aren't we? And the other thing is, would you imagine a doctor? If a doctor did the show, he, he, he can't even see or a, a mental health professional. They can't even see what they're doing wrong. Seriously. Do you know what I mean? They can't see it. They think they're doing the... And, or, this is why we do it, therefore we're justified. But we're telling them... They aren't, they're not doing what we want. They might be trying, but there's big gaps all over mm-hmm. the place. And the big gaps are important. Yeah. You know, like... You know, weekend cover and crisis teams and, and whatever. And the poor lack of services for... Child and adolescent and not enough secure beds, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, in the in the region, and uh, not enough beds, even. And and then when they put you in, you have, they want to get you out straight away. You know what I mean? Things like that because they got that little bed. There's so much demand, so you might be ill. You might be even if they were doing a good job, you might need four weeks or five weeks in there. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as you. Mm-hmm make a little bit of an improvement, you're out, so then get someone else in. You're not right. So yeah, it's short-term, it's short-term, it's short-term gain yeah. to get you off the... Uh, it's the percentage game where they want you off the percentage rack. Of, it's the same as employment. Like, you know, you go to... You know, you know just a, a quick... quick, A quick... Like, a, a quick... Um, you know, comparatively speaking. It's like being on Job Seekers Allowance and you go to the job centre and go, I would like to be a plumber oh well, that's all well and good but do you want to stack shelves in a grocery store so it's not them trying to help you get a career it's like going to career service and all they want you to do is to be off the unemployment line they don't want you to be doing something that will make you stay in a job they'll want you to do a job you don't like just so that you're not badgering them anymore and short-term solutions to long short the the phrase i always love is short-term solutions to long-term problems that's literally what it is. Um, and you're right. I mean, the, 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 you know, we can go into the politics of it in that there's not enough, you know, but we, we haven't got time for that. But just basically, but just basically, there isn't enough money being uh, being given to, to, to spend on mental health related stuff, you know, which is something that um, was, was taught, has been talked about in the House of Commons, for example, Um which I agree with, you know, we should be spending just as much money on mental health related stuff because it's just as important as physical. Um, and, and yeah, I, um, and ultimately. It's also, it's also about the attitude mm-hmm. of the, the professionals. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, anyway, we've been talking about mental health for a lot, so we can talk about that for the entry degree. I'm sure our Jews can appreciate, but, um, quick mention, you can, uh, find out more information about Jules. There's some quick, some quick plugs. You can find him on the Jules star on Facebook. He's also at Jules start nine, nine, nine on Twitter, which, uh, I followed him. So I recommend people follow him and also, uh, www.julesclare.blogsport.co.uk. Uh, to find out uh, some stuff as well. I know he's got his poems on Facebook, but you can find some stuff on his blog site as well um, for more information. But yeah, so what we thought we'd do, which is fun, is Jules going to end on some poetry. So fire away, Mr. Jules. Right. We got time for two poems? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, as long as, you, as, long as you're... Uh, short. Yeah, go for um, it. 
Give me a number then. Uh, Out of how many? Five. One and five. Uh, three. I love this. I feel involved. <laughs> right. You ready? Yep, go for it. You can't see the paper, can you? Nope, I can't see the paper. Ready? Forgive and forget. Speak as you find. Give others a chance to be kind. Be of stable mind. Don't let your grievances unerringly unwind. Erringly unwind, even. <laughs> Speak as you find. Don't follow the sheep. Take an emotional leap. Throw personal grievances on the heap. Speak as you find. Do unto others as they do unto you. Be respectful. Be one of the chosen few. Admire the comeback. Achieve the view. Speak as you find. Don't let your ego rule the way. Let your feelings sway. Allow forgiveness in, come what may. Make every day a special day. Thank you. Awesome. Get that. Yeah, that was great. Right. Do you know, one more do, then. Do you know the number? <laughs> yeah. One and five. Between one and five again. Yeah. Uh, let's go for number one. The old official. I like your chair, by the way. I just noticed your chair. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Because it's the one I've done, Jeremy Corbyn. Are you <laughs> oh, nice. It? Yeah, great. Oh, well, you mentioned it, so that's awesome. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. So you have to. Think about the song when it's playing. Remember the tune? Yep. Right. Centrefold. Does he walk? Does he talk? Does he come with a silvery beard? Jeremy has pulled me up from my seat. I'm walking the streets. He has pure compassion. Nobody can ever stain. Memories of his policies have never caused me pain. Thirty-two years go by. I'm reading the pages of a satirical magazine. And there's Super Jeremy on the pages in between. My blood runs cold. My memory has been sold. Our Jeremy is the centrefold. Slipping notes under the school desk whilst I was thinking about his policies. Too magical to lose. I was shaking in my shoes with ideological compassion. I had a right to choose that soft, fluffy, silvery beard, too magical to touch. To see him in his victory suit was almost too much. Jeremy is our centrefold. OK, look, I understand we're living in that rotter Dave's land. I hope that when four years are gone, I'll see Jeremy with the PM suit on. Jeremy is our centrefold. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, woo, woo. Come on, conference, sing. Jeremy is our centrefold. Jeremy is our centrefold. Our blood ran cold. Now we're back in the fold. Yes, Jeremy is our centrefold. Make differences matter. Not solely guided by idle chatter. Let's hear it again. Jeremy is our centrefold. Thank you.
you're really right. I mean, it's a bit like what he touched on earlier is that, you know, when you feel silent, I was literally silent. I know we're doing video for this and I was just, I literally had my head down listening because I was absorbed in it. I really enjoyed that. That was really good. Um, so congrats, Jules. That's really awesome. Uh, we'll quickly end. I only have one last favor of you before we end, but I'll officially end the show. But all these me to say is thank you so much, Jules, for being on. Uh, I hope you have a, a good remaining uh, Christmas period uh, and a happy thank new you. year to your good self. And I'll see you in the new year. And uh, thanks for being on. And I encourage people to go and check out uh, Jules's stuff and uh, go to the gigs he mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, but thanks, Jules. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, man. No problem. You're very we welcome. We had a few technical issues. Yes, but we got there. So yeah, apologies if you can notice some. Send you a lovely well. email. Yes, you, I did. I just I, I read it. I read it during one of the pauses. It was very sweet. Uh, but yeah, I'll end the podcast like I always end. The words of the great B movie robot Josh Crash and Burn. And on behalf of the Geek Apocalypse podcast, because we're releasing this uh, in between Christmas and New Year, a very merry Christmas and a very happy New Year, to everyone. And we'll see you in the New Year uh, for episode 100. Uh, which is going to be amazing. So thanks, guys. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe, like, subscribe, a like, and whatever other things. But yeah, huge thank you to everyone for listening to episode 99. And we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Congratulations. You have reached the end of the Geek Apocalypse podcast, where I am entitled to ask you to several things. You can follow us on Twitter, which is at geek underscore apocalypse. We're also on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv forward slash geek apocalypse and you can also find us on youtube which is geek apocalypse youtube channel and i must also remember is that we have a shop on our website which is www.geekapocalypse.com where you can find t-shirts hoodies and a bunch of other cool stuff that obviously help towards the running of said podcast so if that sounds fun please do contribute and help the show keep running and being as awesome as i hope it is but until then have a very good christmas and new year and as always enjoy being a geek